a Chira Biscuits, Chicha, and a Hangover Cure. This week, we're in Bogota, Colombia. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is the place where we explore the cuisine of the world on the podcast and at DestinationEatDrink.com. This week, we're in Bogota to sample the cuisine of Colombia with Laura Hernandez Espinoza of the world-famous Leo Restaurant. But first, a favor. Could you help support Destination Eat Drink by dropping a few bucks our way? Your contribution pays for some of the many expenses in keeping the show and website going. There is no advertising on Destination Eat Drink, at least not yet, so you're the only one who helps us make this happen. If you can, go to DestinationEatDrink.com, click on the Contribute button, and thank you so very much. Laura Hernandez Espinoza is a restaurateur and sommelier. Along with her mother, Laura runs Restaurant Leo in Bogota, Colombia. Their restaurant has earned worldwide acclaim including being named one of the top 50 restaurants in the world. But for Laura, her world is much more than operating a fine dining restaurant. Her mission is to not only deliver the best meals she can to her guests, but also to support her community of multicultural producers and sustainable farmers. This mission has resulted in a menu that not only has the highest quality, but also features a ton of local and indigenous produce that even many Colombians weren't aware existed. After all, Colombia is one of the most biodiverse countries on the whole planet. Laura and I also talk about being a sommelier in a country that doesn't produce wine and some of her favorite spots to eat when she has a night off, as well as some great Colombian soups, breads, coffee, chocolates, Laura even recommends a great Peruvian restaurant right in Bogota. Okay, I'm starving, so let's eat. Destination, eat, drink. Laura Hernandez Espinoza, thank you so much for being on Destination, Eat, Drink. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brent, for the invitation. It's an honor uh, to me to be here. Let's start with your restaurant, Restaurante Leo. You and your mom run the restaurant. Um, Give us an idea. What is the philosophy behind Restaurante Leo? Leo Project, the Grupo Leo Project, is an initiative that um, was created by my mother and me. Um, And together with an interdisciplinary team, uh, we have outlined the higher purpose of contributing to the development of Colombia and all that based on gastronomy as a tool for social transformation. So um, we based our work in Colombia's bioculturality. You know, Colombia is a very biodiverse, uh, I I would say the most biodiverse country in in the world and multicultural as well. So um, in in order to generate value, uh, we, uh, through our restaurants, Leo, La Sala de Leo, La Sala de Laura, and our second brand, El Casual, 
um, we work to contribute to the generation of sustainable alternatives uh, and also the well-being of ethnic and rural communities. Um, of course, we are positioned in Colombia in the global food scene. Uh, we have a foundation, uh, it's called FUNLEO, and it's the pillar of our um, sustainability strategy and how um, we also work with communities. You have this foundation, FUNLEO, how does that how does that work together with the restaurant philosophy? How do you join those two things together? There are different organizations. I mean, Funleo is an NGO, is a is a nonprofit organization. But Leo Alasala de Laura and El Casual becomes the platform um, where we um, generate different channels between rural areas and urban areas. Um, Grupo Leo is always um, participating in buying from small producers. So, for example, um, we have established more than 57 commercial relations between small producers and our restaurants. Um, and these alliances have increased the average income of families involved between 50% since uh, 2008 when the foundation was um, founded. So um, we buy $45,000, which uh, in local um, currency is, is, is quite uh, a big amount um, uh, in commercial transactions between these small producers and 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 our restaurants. So it, it is linked, although it's different. I mean, Funleo works under the motto Gastronomy for Development. We work with different uh, organizations, international cooperation, um, also some government agencies uh, in order to um, improve well-being of Colombian communities, but understanding gastronomy as an engine uh, of social and economic development. It's so interesting because not only are you talking about economic development, but you're also, when you're dealing with small producers, you're talking about sustainability as well. This isn't big ag that you're bringing these uh, products into your restaurants. Um, I remember when I, a few years ago, when I was a gelato maker in Austin, Texas, I worked with local producers to get different uh, fruits and uh, herbs for uh, making my gelato with. Tell me about a couple of your producers that you work with, some folks, and what what makes them unique? What are some of the products that they, uh, that they grow and make for you guys? Okay, for example, uh, indigenous communities provides, uh, provide us with um, different types of ants, um, different types of um, ahi sauces, um, and those are like, Amazonian chili sauces like tucupi, um, uh, other one is catara. Uh, um, those are from ancestral uses. Also, um, farina, for example, we have um, um, many distributors um, of fruits, uh, fruits like uh, golupa, which is a passiflora, and also nopal, uh, that we call it igo chumbo, uh, and those are uh, for um distillation processes with my territorial um distillation line um many many products uh, i would say um different types of um uh, meats 
for example, um, uh, a little dog is raised in the, in the in the um, Caribbean coast. Also, um, a small caiman, uh, but that is not. Uh, that is very sustainable because we're not affecting the the, the species in in terms of um, getting the sauvage animal, but but it's from a, uh, from a farm. Um, it, sorry, I was I was translating so criadero, but it is not so <laughs> it's, a, it's like a farm. Okay. <laughs> uh, from the Pacific coast, for example, and many beverages, beverages from Afro-Pacific tradition, such as viche, tomaseca, curao, arrechon. Um, we have different types of fruits, uh, different types of tubers from the Andes. Um, yes, well, uh, actually, Leo is like visiting Colombia without uh, standing from the table. So what we want to do <laughs> is <laughs> to showcase all these ingredients and amplify the voices of different um, traditional cooks and small producers that has um, have been doing um, a great job uh, since uh, decades. So yeah, you'll you'll see that um, there are many unknown ingredients even for Colombian uh, consumers. It's an unbelievable bounty that we're talking about. There's so much to unpack there, but I did want to focus on one of the first things that you mentioned, Laura, which was the the hot sauces that you bring in. Is, is spicy food sp part of your menu at Restaurant Leo? Do, are there a lot of spicy dishes on the menu for us to try? Mm, well, Amazonian pepper is an, a very important ingredient in Colombian gastronomy. So you might find a couple of dishes uh, with Amazonian peppers, different types of Amazonian peppers, fermented or not fermented, um, with uh, uh, yuca brava or without yuca brava. So, um, yes, you can find it. It's not, I, I won't call it spicy. Um, I will call that you will find a lot of umami. Um, and yes, a couple of, a couple of spicy dishes, but uh, not as... Uh, Asian or Mexican dishes is, is different. I see. So, um, you know, here in Portugal, I was kind of surprised that we don't have a lot of spicy dishes here. There's basically one spicy dish that's famous, the piri piri chicken. And occasionally you'll see piri piri sauce put out on a table for you. But for the most part, there's not spicy food here. Even if you go to the Indian restaurants, which are famous in Portugal, you don't see a ton of spicy food, although you'd see more at an Indian restaurant. Let, let's talk about um, let's talk about drinks a little bit because you're the sommelier at Leo. But sometimes when I think of sommelier, I think, OK, they're going to be pairing the wine with my dish. But what you do is so much more complex than that. Talk to me about how you approach the role of sommelier at Leo. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I think every invention comes from um, the need of, um, in this case, of not having wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Colombia is um, it's a tropical country, so um, vitivinicultural is not uh, something that um, it's uh, it's in our genes. Um, we produce the best cacao we produce the best coffee uh, we have more than 365 fruits uh, so you can have 
one uh, different fr fruit each day of the year. Um, but we don't have wine. And I'm a wine lover, I have to say. Um, but also in this process of pairing and harmonizing these dishes, these preparations that were very um, rich in exotic flavors, also wine wasn't always the best option. So I started um, conceiving this co-evolution, this... this um, biological, um, traditional pairing between us Europeans has always uh, been doing, you know, comparing um, uh, an Alvarino with, uh, with Vieiras, with scallops, or, um, you know, a, a, a Bourgogne with a Cocovan. It's, it's the same here. So I started to see that there was so much similarity and so much cohesion between uh and coherence no between um between ingredients and uh liquids from uh, the different territories so yeah that's how i came up with la sala de laura is one of the two spaces in leo and it's also the liquid proposal um in leo and it's it's a quest to exalt the beverage is seen in colombia you know um and um and it's a beverage proposal that uh it's based on ingredients from different ecosystems such as the foothills the mountain the desert the forest the paramo which is the high andean mountain um ecosystem 3500 meters above the sea level and the humid forest you know um i like to give uh this distillates like uh, this distillate is like uh, how I managed to put in a bottle how I believe uh, territory and ecosystem tastes like. And um, also, well, I work with a lot of um, uh, indigenous communities that are artisans uh, with beverages like Contra, which is a medicinal drink from the Senues in Sucre or the essential biche from the Afro-Pacific region. Uh, and fermented drinks, fermented drinks like, like honey, um, meat, for example, like coca leaves fermented, like hagua uh, fermented, which is an Amazonian fruit, uh, borojo, naidi, uh, all those are uh, endemic fruits that um, uh, usually you can find a fermented version, like a wine. We call it a wine. It's, of course, it's not a wine because it comes from grapes, especially. But uh, in Colombia, we call them wine, like guava wine and uh, acai wine and gulupa wine. <laughs> and, and I use this as an inspiration for uh, creative mixology, but linked to the Colombian territory. Yeah, because what is wine but just fermented fruit? And that's exactly what you're talking about, which is fermented fruit. Um, staying on the fermented topic for just a moment, Laura, do you have, a, I'd, I'd say the, the one South American drink that I'm most familiar with, because a friend of mine used to make this, is uh, chicha. And I'm wondering if you have uh, chicha on your menu at Leo, of course I do. I mean, <laughs> of course, <laughs> I have to. I have to because it's the most emblematic drink. Is a common denominator um, to all 
territories, ecosystems, cultures in Colombia. Um, and I do pair uh, very rural preparation uh, in, in the tasting menu at La Sala de Leo. And I pair it with a chicha, with a corn chicha that is not even um, made in the restaurant. It is a recipe from a lady that's been doing it for 50 years already. So uh, we work together in a mm -hmm. slight version because you know chicha sometimes is a little bit uh, heavy and 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 dense so we work in a in a light um version of it uh and yes it is it's it's a must <laughs> i'm going to tell you one thing about uh chicha my experience with chicha laura and that is and you might find this horribly off um for from traditional chicha but i used to two things about chicha one is I used to take chicha and make a um, sorbet out of it, a frozen sorbet out of it. But I also used to love to take home some chicha and I would make a cocktail with it with uh, vodka. And I always I always thought vodka and chicha went, went really well together. Lovely. Of course. Of course it goes well. Um, I love chicha. You know, it's in our DNA um, and it's something that I really value and also like to promote. And I also like people to understand the um, ancestral importance that Chicha has, not only uh, for Colombia, but for Andean people. I wanted to ask you about a specific item on your menu, your biscuits, because I was reading they're made with something called Achira flower. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but um, I'm interested in that because I hadn't heard of Achira flower before. I understand it's an indigenous grain to Colombia, but I don't know anything about it. So I said, well, I've got to ask Laura about it. So what can you tell me about your uh, biscuits that you make with Achira uh, flower? Yeah, well, the Achira is the cana indica uh, and is uh, rhizome that's typical from the Andes. Oh. And it has this beautiful flower that is used also for ornamental purposes. Um, but with the rhizome, we make a flower and then uh, we make biscuits from it. And we also use it for um, innovation. Um, we use the flour to use bread and also for um, other preparations. Uh, but yes, it's very typical uh, from Huila, which is a um, region in, in the Colombian Andes. And uh, it's so beautiful, the flower. You cannot believe it. You cannot, you cannot believe such a beautiful flower has an edible rhizome. <laughs> and would we have that with some of your local honey drizzled on top? How would How would you serve that? How would you suggest eating it? Just like that, and you, and you can just pair it with a coffee. Oh, nice. It's a snack. Oh, nice. Um, it's a snack. It's a very crunchy snack. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorites, it, and, and it's super healthy. It's like the healthier snack ever. <laughs> I can't wait to try that someday. Um, staying on the topic of, um, of grains, there's a, there's a bread in Colombia that I wanted to ask you about made with yucca flour called Panda Bono. Um, can you can you tell me about this bread? Because I was reading about this as well, and I thought, man, this sounds like something that would be right up my alley. Yeah, well, Panda Bono is something that you find uh, in every corner 
in Colombia, but it was originated in Cali. Um, but you can find Pan de Bono right now uh, everywhere. Um, it's like um, round bread. And I won't say it's a bread. It's like one of the bizcochos or bollería uh, that we have here in Colombia. It's, it's not like a bread uh, properly, but it's made with cheese mm, and and flour. And, and yeah, I mean, it's delicious. It's fluffy. Um, oh, my God. I want a Ponte Bono now. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> this is my job, Laura. This is what I do. I make people hungry. <laughs> Um, you know, your restaurant, Restaurante Leo is, is certainly fine dining and you guys have done amazing stuff with elevated cuisine, with indigenous cuisine, with indigenous ingredients. But, um, I wanted to ask you when you go out at night, Laura, when you go out on on a night with your friends and you just go out to have fun, what, what would be the kind of place where you would want to go, you know, when you get away from the restaurant? What kinds of things do you like to do? What kind of uh, what kind of restaurants or street food do you like to have? I like many things, uh, in, especially not in Bogota, but when I'm in Cartagena or other cities in the country that I love to visit. Cartagena is my hometown. For example, one thing that I have to do is um, go and have this. Um, uh, cocktail de camarón, which is um, prawn cocktail. We we call it cocktail, but it has like different sauces such as um, ketchup, mayonnaise, <laughs> garlic, mm. um, onion, um, and a little bit of vinegar. That's like my favorite street food ever with a local beer and just sit it there down the tree <laughs> the classic <laughs> tree where, where you have it in downtown that i love very much um and then uh, in bogota i like i like to get to know the gastronomy the gastronomic offer like i like to go and visit my colleagues restaurant um restaurants you know like i um love to uh, visit new places. So I will say, I would say Umo Negro is uh, a restaurant that I love. Um, also, um, Osaka, which is a Peruvian restaurant, but I love it because I love Peruvian food. Um, I like also, um, what else? Uh, to have some uh, Perro Caliente, which is hot dogs. Uh, actually, uh, <laughs> I'm part of a project that is called my Perrito Hot Dog Club. So I love to go and eat some perritos. <laughs> and we, <laughs> we make them with um, pineapple sauce and and cheese, and it's so delicious. That's something that I that I truly like. Oh, that's a new idea. How interesting. Yeah, yeah, we call it costeño, and it's like a Hawaiian hot dog. <laughs> it's, it's with cheese, um, with coastal cheese, which is a little bit salty, and uh, pineapple sauce. It's amazing. So we're talking about going out at night. You said you have a beer. You, you said you have um, some other fun dishes, some street food. So that kind of leads into this dish that I wanted to ask you about, which is called caldo. And 
here in Portugal, we have a, a soup called, this is a soup, caldo. We have a soup called caldo verde, which is very different. It's like a kale soup with chorizo on top. But caldo is something completely different. Um, and it seems like people in Colombia have this as uh, a sort of a hangover cure. Can, can you tell me, is, is that true? And, and what's caldo all about? How, how do you enjoy that? Of course, that's the perfect cure for hangover. Um, and there are many versions of it. Um, but certainly it has cebollín, which are sort of a chive, a uh, type of chive. Um, potato, different types of potato. Uh, also um, cilantro, cilantro leaves. That's something that it has to be in it. Um, and I love to put a boiled egg as well in it. Um, I like it vegetarian, but most is mostly consumed with um, costilla de res, which is a type of beef to make it um, to make it you know tasty and and also well, yeah, I think to give it a little bit more of flavor. Um, but that's the caldo, uh, and we used to have it uh, late at night, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., when you're mm -hmm. already drunk, and you need, <laughs> I, need to, I need to be okay <laughs> to go home and to wake up uh, the next day. We also have it the next day of the hangover. Uh, we, we have it uh, for breakfast, and it is delicious, and it's, it, it is part of our... Um, culture. Uh, and I believe it, not just in Bogota, but anywhere in Colombia. It sounds like it would do the job. Um, you mentioned that uh, you like to have your caldo with a poached egg in it. Um, we actually have in here in uh, Portugal in the next uh, next region over, um, there's a there's a tomato soup that they make with a poached egg in it. So I can I can vouch that, you know, Americans might think, oh, poached egg on my soup. That sounds weird. It's it's absolutely delicious. And it it makes me want to ask you about a soup called uh, changua, which also has poached eggs in it. Um, what can you tell me about that dish? Yeah, the changua. Well, changua, the changua has enemies and lovers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> You'll find that there's people that love the changua and others that find them unconceivable, you know, like having this milky uh, soup with a poached egg and um, cilantro on top. Yeah, it's another version of the caldo, but with milk. Um, I have to say that is one of the most uh, beautiful treasures of the Andean gastronomy. I love it. Tangwa is my thing. And there's also a um, version from Boyacá that they put it al mojavana, which is like another type of bread, similar to pan de bono, and, and they put it inside it. So that's even better. <laughs> Ooh, with the bread. Oh, yum. Oh, delicious. <laughs> okay. Let's let's round out the trifecta of soup with uh, agiaco, I think is how I say it. Um, what can you tell me about this dish? Well, the agiaco is a soup um, and, and the etymological uh, origin of ajiaco is from the aji, which is the pepper. 
Um, and you have different types of ajiaco from Cuba to Peru to Ecuador. Um, but the ajiaco santafereño, that's another thing. Ajiaco santafereño, it's the typical dish of Bogotá. And it was born in the 50s with all this French influence. Of course, it's, it, it is what, what's uh, very nice about uh, the ajiaco is that you can find the different influences that are part of the Colombian gastronomy. So we have the Spanish influence, we have the indigenous influence, and and well, there's 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 no Afro influence in there, but it's mainly indigenous and Spanish traditions mixed up together, and and it's the use of the onion, um, the different types of uh, potatoes, uh, but also with the cream. It, it has some. It has uh, guascas that I don't know how to translate them because I don't think um, there's a. Um, a translation for it, but it's like a leaf that grows in the Andean mountains. Um, so it it's lovely. I mean, I would say it's something that represents us. Um, and um, yeah, I think it's great. You mentioned earlier coffee. I, I don't know if uh, Colombia is most famous for its coffee or it's more worldwide, most famous for its coffee or more famous for its chocolate, but certainly it's famous for coffee. Tell me about coffee culture in Colombia in general, but specifically in Bogota, where your restaurant is. Um, how do folks in Bogota like to have their coffee? Okay, so um, we do have a coffee culture. Unfortunately, uh, in Colombia, um, the coffee is drinked with sugar and not the best quality. I have to say that because that is the truth. Um, we like it very, like in small quantities and we call it also tinto um, and it's very sweet. But we are we are learning um, in, in and, and we are growing and we are uh, evolving into a more uh, sophisticated um, way to have it. Uh, and there are many coffees like Libertario, um, Libertario, for, ex for example, I love it. There are also many other curators that bring different boutiques, coffees from small producers, uh, producers around the country. Uh, and, and, and you can like uh, taste how different coffees from different altitudes and different uh, region states like um, and that's been changing uh, since the last decade so you you can find many different um, coffees like for example Devotion that opened also in New York uh, in Williamsburg uh, with great 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 coffee Colombian made and also vindicating that um, fame of being or having the best coffee in the world. Glad to hear that. You know, it's so strange because I hear this over and over again when I talk to folks from uh, coffee-producing countries. They say, yeah, we produce great coffee, but 
we don't drink great coffee here. And I'm glad to hear that Colombia is elevating their local coffee game for the folks uh, who live there to be able to enjoy it. So that's uh, really good news. Before I let you go, let's talk about Colombian chocolate. What can you tell me about uh, enjoying chocolate in Colombia? Well, cacao has the same conditions, geographical conditions, than coffee. So you might find that different regions that are coffee producers are also cacao producers. And it's quite um, interesting how, for example, Sierra Nevada is making great cacao. Meta, Amazonian region is also making a great cacao. Tumaco, which is the best in the Pacific coast to me, is one of the most amazing cacaos ever. Um, We are just, as you say, um, elevating this experience because uh, one of the things that characterizes the Colombian market is that we don't transform it and we don't add it um we don't add value to the raw material so we used to export the coffee in grain and we used to export the cacao in grain as well uh and it's the same process with the coffee we are we're learning we're still learning how to elevate that um experience for us uh, national consumers. So now you can find like cacao hunters, you find uh, Dissidente, you find like these uh, amazing companies that are doing their best to add value to this raw material that uh, we've, we have always exported but not um, consumed internally. So it, it, it's it's very interesting what's happening and we are also discovering the power of the Colombian territory for cacao producing. These are all such great stories, Laura, and I'm so happy that you were able to share them with us today. Uh, Laura Hernandez Espinoza from Restaurant Leo in Bogota, Colombia. Thank you so much for being on the show, but also even more so, thank you so much for what you're doing to um, work with small producers and indigenous people in Colombia to let the rest of the world know what great products and what great uh, produce these folks are growing, harvesting, and making in your country of Colombia. Thanks again for being on the show today. It's just been uh, a joy to talk to you. Thank you very much for the invitation. It was lovely um, to get to speak a little bit about Uh, my passion and my country as well. So thanks for the opportunity. Okay, there you go. From world-renowned fine dining to eating a hot dog slathered in cheese and pineapple. (laughs) Laura certainly covered the entire spectrum. Don't don't let anyone say we don't cover it all here on Destination Eat Drink. Uh, You know, I'm so grateful that I get to talk to interesting people around the world like Laura. And I'm always impressed when someone comes on the show and talks with me in English when it's not their native language. And I become so much more attuned to that fact as I'm in Portuguese class right now trying to struggle and learn Portuguese. And boy, it is not easy, let me tell you. So props to Laura, not only for being so talented and creative in the food industry, but also for being so articulate in a language that is not her own. I've got links to Restaurant Leo as well as all the places Laura and I talked about 
on the show in the show notes. That's at radiomisfits.com slash ded212. Well, that's about it for this episode. Next week, another brand new episode. I've got Katie Parla on the show. We talk about pizza in her city of Rome. Don't miss that. Pizza in Rome is way, way more diverse than you think. Until then, I've just posted a story on DestinationEatDrink.com about an abandoned castle on the river in Galway, Ireland. You can read that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash Menlo. That's M-E-N-L-O. Or go to DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. And if you enjoyed the show, please support us by going to DestinationEatDrink.com and clicking on the Contribute button. Much thanks for that. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy whose hangover cure is Ajiaco with a shot of scotch, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>